Let's hit it. Welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about. Welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I hope you enjoyed our opening music called Clarion Call. It's by the Mark Arneson Band featuring Mayador, and you can download it on any of your favorite platforms. For those of you that are new to Alzheimer's Speaks, we have been talking about sound information, not just sound bites since 2011. And our goal truly is to raise all voices. So Thank you as our listeners for helping spread the word of the work that we do. And also, if you want to be a guest, just reach out to me at alzheimerspeaks.com and I'd be glad to talk with you. Now, before I introduce our guest today, I'm just going to give a shout out to a couple of organizations. One, of course, is the Memory Cafe, near and dear to my heart. This is a group where people with early to mid memory loss and their care partners can come together. You can go to the memorycafedirectory.com for more information. Also during COVID, Coral Health is giving away two of their apps. One is called Music First, the other is Coral Faith. And again, you can go to Coral Health, that's C-O-R-O Health, Dot com to find out more information. Last, I just want to mention the GAIN Alzheimer's trial. And uh, if you're 55 to 80 years old with mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease, you will qualify as long as you have a care partner or family member who's willing to attend um, clinic visits with you and support you on a daily basis with activities and the overseeing of medications. Just go to GAIN trial.com forward slash en for more information. Now let me go ahead and introduce our guest today. Christine Felker has been a guest on Alzheimer's Speaks before and we're just thrilled to have her back with us. For those of you that don't know her, she is a 60-year-old woman who has been living with dementia since the age of um, 55. She lives in Vernon, British Columbia, Canada, and spends her time advocating, writing, and visiting with family and friends. She especially loves time with her little dog, Phoebe, and loves to walk and be close to water and nature and gardening. She's well known for her positive attitude and sense of humor, which you will witness today, along with her wonderful, brilliant smile. Christine is proving that living well after dementia is possible. Well, Christine, I'm so excited to have you as a guest on the show. You've been with us before, and I, I've been anticipating your book. And so welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here again, and nice to see you again. And yeah, lots of big things since I last talked to you. 
Yeah, really. Um, I, I want you to tell us, well, why don't you tell everybody the, the name of your book and what made you decide to write it? The book is called For This I Am Grateful, Living with Dementia. Um, and I decided to write it. Um, originally, I started writing to try to help my doctors when I was first trying to get diagnosed. Um, and then I decided to keep writing and eventually I decided this is stuff that other people living with dementia or people who might get diagnosed because we know those numbers are increasing. They need to know. Um, and so much of the population still believes dementia is just for the elderly, 70s, 80 years old, you know, living in care homes. And the fact is there's many, many young people in their 30s and 40s and 50s being diagnosed every single day. And it's for those people and their families um, so that they can maybe have a little easier time than I did struggling to, to figure it out and, and try to find help and, you know, just be okay. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, it's so brave to write a book. I mean, I don't know if our audience really understands what it takes to write a book, but this book is very personal. And I mean, you, you share every kind of nook and cranny of your life with us. And um, before we dive into that, though, I, I'm always fascinated by book covers. And oh. I want you to explain your book cover and why you chose you know, the cover itself, what, what kind of meaning does it have to you? That is my own artwork. So people, uh, and I didn't put it in the book. Um, and I didn't realize that I didn't put in the book, that that was my artwork. And I did that artwork. I'm not an artist, but not an artist at all. Um, but during a very dark time of the early, um, parts of my diagnosis and, and when they had uh, stopped me from driving for seven months, um, that's when I drew that. I was at a really hard point and I was heartbroken and, and I didn't know how to express what I was feeling and that's what showed up. And so when I was getting ready and trying to put the book together and the publisher said to me, we're going to put some ideas together and we would like you to give us three or four ideas of what you're thinking for the cover. I had this painting on my wall and I was having a coffee with my girlfriend talking to her about my ideas. And I had these ideas on paper and she said, look at what's behind you. And she pointed to my picture and I said, I don't think anybody would really understand that. She said, think about it. It says exactly where you were. She said, so it's very, very fitting. And I said, well, you're right. But do you think the publishers would actually get it? Because <laughs> I thought they'll, they won't understand it, right? I thought, well, I'm going to send it in. I thought about it for a day or two. And then I thought, yeah, I'm going to put it together. Uh, with the title and I'm going to send it to them as one of my ideas and they loved it they loved it 
everything else went off the table. Wow. So. Well, when I, when I look at the, the cover, um, to me, I just see this twinkle in an eye that yet still has this tear dropping. And then I see this vibrant heart that's falling apart in part of it, yet it's still so full. And, um, and I just thought, boy, to me, that really does embody the journey of dementia. You know, the love, the joy, the sadness, all of those things are just intertwined with one another. And thank you, because that's exactly what that, that's exactly what that says, because that's exactly how it feels inside when you're living with dementia. You know, that's exactly how it is. You put that into words better than I could. Good. Now, your book you had mentioned are for people who are getting diagnosed or are diagnosed, as well as families. Do you think this will be helpful for professionals as well, though? I have had so many people comment that this is all academics should be reading this. Um, in fact, I had one of the researchers that I work with um, stop on her way through here the other day. And she said they're actually working with the professor at one of the big universities to have it as part of the mandatory reading curriculum for their occupational therapy program. Um, so doctors, nurses, anyone working in healthcare at any level, because whether you're the housekeeper or you're the charge nurse or you're the doctor diagnosing, you're going to come in contact with someone with dementia. I, I agree. And I was hoping that you were saying, you know, it was a broad base so often, not only with publishing, but even with speaking to uh, people want to pigeonhole you and say, no, you have to talk to this person or that party or, you know, and, and it's like, until we all understand the big picture, we're not going to change a damn thing. Yeah, and, that, and that's exactly it. So my hope is, my doctor called me because, of course, I wrapped the book up and left it at his office for him. And a week later, I got a call from him. And he was like, I've been reading snippets of it through my work day. And he said, I can't wait to get my hands on it and sit down and read it from cover to cover. He said, you should be so proud of yourself. He said, it's incredible what you've shared incredible insight yeah yeah I um, the same um reading it what what do you expect people to get from the book and you've you've kind of done this in chronological order as you as you journaled and you know you share i mean most of us are scared to journal to even for us to see what the heck's gonna you know when the pen's <laughs> gonna hit the paper let alone to share it with the world <laughs> Um, but I, I found it really interesting to see how you progress through all the, all the ins and outs that life throws us, you know, dementia or no dementia that you still have to deal with. And then how that feels, you know, as you're. Yeah. And that was, that's part of what I want people to take away from this, that, you know, just because we have dementia, we still have life and we still have all of life's events to manage through when already some of our day-to-day -day struggles are difficult enough um so i but i want people to know that 
we can do it. We maybe need more time, more space, more uh, patience from people as we do it. And for the people living with, you know, it's okay to hit those um, brick walls, I call them. You know, today I hit the wall. And, and it's okay to hit that wall. Because when you bounce back from the wall, you're going to be okay, right? So I want people to have that bigger understanding. And, and I want families and people living with to have hope. And I want professionals to understand there's all these little pieces that if they understood them, they could help us. Well, and it's interesting when you talk about hitting the wall, because I think anytime we're, we're ill um, or we're out of sorts, out of our comfort zone, um, we don't give our pers- ourselves permission to hit the wall. We hit the wall before then. That's just part of life, you yeah. know, and it's, it's about adapting when you hit that wall. And to me, one of the, the greatest gifts that I have seen and lessons I've learned through people with dementia is their ability to adapt, to look at creative ways to, you know, do a workaround or to give themselves a pause that just says, you know what, I got to shut down for 24 or 48 hours. My body just needs to re re-energize and I'm going to listen to my body and I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the message, right? Like, it's okay to do the things that you need to do. Whether or not anybody understands them, hopefully the people that read the book will have a better understanding. But for those people living with, give yourself permission, you know? Give yourself permission. And yes, I had to be vulnerable to do that. And that's a little scary, actually. It's quite terrifying, if I'm honest. <laughs> but if some of us aren't willing to do that, nobody's ever going to have that picture. That's very true. And that's one of the things I, I loved about having you on the show last time is you are such a strong advocate. And I, and I don't think you can be a passionate, effective advocate if you're not vulnerable. Because you're not vulnerable. Well, I I agree. I agree. I mean, we can all do a job, right? But if we're going to be very effective, we need to, we need to be vulnerable and we need to allow that honesty and that, that real peace to shine through. Uh, We can't, we can't just write a script, right? Scripts don't work. Scripts are great in a movie. They're not good in real life. Right? We can't be effective. Yeah, exactly. Now, I, as I was reading through the book, I have like a million little things I want to ask you, but I want to start with, if you can share some favorite stories of yours, and let's start with, with sadness and kind of grief, because I would imagine, you know, I mean, that definitely hits anybody who, who gets diagnosed, goes through that, that stage. Oh, yeah. I, I think for me, and then it comes back to the cover of the book, was, um, you know, when I got diagnosed, I absorbed that pretty well. I mean, yes, I sort of walked around, I call it, in a state of shock for probably six months. 
uh, I don't really think, I don't think it really sinks in. It takes time for it to actually settle into, oh, this is really real. This is really happening to me, right? We know it. We heard the words. It takes time to sink in. But one of the saddest things for me was the day they talked to me about driving after my incident of, you know, not being able to figure out my way. Um, um, and having to agree, okay, don't take my license, but I, I will agree not to drive. And so I had to hang up the car. I ended up having to sell my little car, which was my lifeline, like driving such a huge part of my life because I'm, I'm adventuresome. So every day I was in my car going somewhere and all of a sudden it was gone. And it, it was such a sad day for me. I really felt like I lost, I didn't know who I was anymore it was like that was always such a big part of who I was and how I identified myself and how other people identified me and it was like I didn't know who I was so that started me on this whole other journey of trying to figure out who am I now who is this girl right that was a sad day that was really sad yeah that's got to be hard because you you know, it's the whole independence thing and that, that spontaneity, it kind of takes away and yep. I got to rely on somebody else to get around. Or and you know what? I refused to, I refused to expect everyone else to rescue me and drive me here and there. I walked miles and miles and miles every day to get to appointments, to go shopping. I bought a little cart I could drag from the grocery store. I uh, used the handy dart. Um, I had to go through that whole process to get assessed for that. Um, I learned how to use the transit system, whatever I had to do so that I could still feel like I had some kind of independence and ability. Um, and so for seven months, and then I worked so hard from there on in, on researching and finding all the things okay I have to get well enough that I can drive that was my driving goal so then I started on this whole exercise and nutrition and and this whole program right that that taught me all about that side of my well-being uh, but it was a really sad time it was a really sad time yeah I, I can I can only imagine how about shifting to a joyful time? Oh, I've had a lot of joyful times. I think um, a couple of them that really stand out, um, being in Chicago for the Alzheimer's Disease International Conference and meeting people from around the world. Um, Tetsuro, he's a neurologist in Japan, and... Tomo, he's a big advocate in Japan, and Kate Swaffer, and and uh, you know Jerry from Oregon, and and Maria, and John, and so many different 
people that I had met through uh, Dementia Alliance International through our support groups, our online support groups. And we, we knew each other's faces from Zoom, of course, but we never actually got to meet. And actually to be able to just run up to them and hug them and like the most incredible feeling and the most incredible connections that will be there forever, you know, forever. And even Tetsuro and Tomo in Japan, I'm still in contact with them. And we were so excited that we were going to again get to meet in Singapore. And of course that didn't happen because of COVID, but I got a lovely message from Tetsuro in Japan the other day showing me a copy of my book. So he's got it in Japan and he sent me a little message. Congratulations. I'm so proud of you and can't wait to see you. And I sat down and cried. You know, that's such a joyful moment. Um, and and thinking about those people and, and those special connections with them. Very neat. I. I've heard that from so many people and I've experienced that myself too, where, I mean, you feel like, you know, somebody and you, you do, but it's just different to meet them in person and actually feel that energy and be able to touch them and hug them. And yeah. Yeah. And then in LA, there was a group of us that met in LA and one of the ladies, she lives in Montana and her and I just bonded like, amazing and we're still so connected and we had planned to get together this summer and then of course we can't because our borders are closed and we're always messaging saying oh I can't wait till we can actually get together again (laughs) joy joy that some incredible connections that you before your diagnosis and even partway through your diagnosis you never think it's going to be possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think all of that part, those parts of your life are over, but they're not. Yeah. And, and that's a big message too, through my book, I think for people is that, you know, life isn't over. Mm-hmm. It changes and it's different, but in many ways, my life is so much richer And I think the only way I can explain that as part of the joy is I am not burdened by the things that society, as a society, we put on ourselves, uh, expectations and, you know, we've got to reach certain statuses career-wise and all of these different things. Um, I'm not burdened by any of those anymore. I can just be me. And I can just enjoy those connections with people. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. How about lessons learned? What have been some of the biggest lessons you've learned on this journey? To be brave. You have to look fear in the eye and say, not today, not today. And some days when it's really beating you down and you're really struggling, you have to go, you have to be brave enough to go, 
okay, you win, not today. I'm, I'm giving in and I'm having a day in bed or whatever you need to do. Close the curtains and, and do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself and be brave enough to do that. So I, I think being brave, I, I really had to learn to be brave. Okay. There's no magic pill. There's nope. no magic pill. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to be brave. Well, that's, that's wonderful. How about um, blessings? It's kind of the same as joy, but I look at it as a little bit different in terms of how has your life been blessed through this process? Well, it's been blessed because it's given me opportunities um, that I never, ever thought I'd see in my life. Um, so for everything it's taken away, it's given back tenfold, I believe. Um, maybe I had to give up my owning my own home, but in its place, I've been given opportunities to meet people from around the world to engage with researchers and, and, and so many different levels of academics to try to make things better for other people. Um, those are blessings. Those are opportunities and blessings that without my illness, none of those doors would be open. Right? Yeah. Um, being able to do this radio interview with you is a blessing. I would have never met you or connected with you had it not been for my illness. Very so there's the, there's the title of my book for this. I am grateful, right? Yep. I've had that lovely opportunity to get to know you. Hopefully someday I'll get to meet you in person. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> so there's the blessings. Wonderful. When I'm listening to you talk, and, you know, we're talking about sadness, and it really made me think about your resilience of just pushing through, going ahead and feeling it, but, but pushing through it. Then when we talked about um, joy, it really seemed to focus on relationships. And then when we talked about lessons, it was really about resetting. It was either, you know, saying, get the hell out of here, not now, or giving into it and saying, I'm going to feel this, and then I'm going to go ahead and reset one way or the other. And then the last one with blessings was really about re the ability to redesign your life at this point. Yeah. And, you know, how powerful are all of those things? You know, I, I just, it's amazing. Well, and for me, I want people so often, and I, I just met with a lady yesterday, and we were talking about this because she's dealing with it in her own family at the moment. People, because as soon as they hear the word dementia, Alzheimer's, the people around you are instilled in fear. And they all of a sudden look at you differently and they think that you're no longer capable. And we need to teach people that we're still capable. And so enable us, don't disable us. 
you know, we can still make our own coffee. We can still go do our own banking. We can still do many, many things. Exactly. So that's, that's the big message. Enable us. Don't disable us. Yeah. And that fear is, I mean, you know, that's where all the stigma comes from. It's just, and, and, you know, it's been powered and, and manipulated in a lot of ways over the years, you know, because that's how we raise money is we, we scare people. And I think one of the things that I love seeing about the dementia care culture um, nowadays is people are saying, no, no, we have to stop being afraid of this. We have to learn how to live with this. You guys have to understand the realities of this disease at all levels. And that includes our physicians where everyone thinks they've got it all down pat. Well, they don't, they don't. There's been too many years of kind of disinformation or lack of education and exploration into the realities of the everyday life. And that's, that's one of the things I love about your book is I, I think the power of the voice of a person with dementia or a family member you know, cuts through all the crap of this is what it's supposed to look like to this is what it's really like. And in your life might not be exactly like mine, but you're going to find some similarities. But yeah. hopefully you'll start having a conversation about the realities of your situation. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that's, that's why I put it out there. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an easy it was a pretty easy decision. It was a pretty emotional decision at the end of the day when I actually signed on the dotted line with the contract with the publishers that, okay, there's no turning back from this now. I'm putting it out there. Yeah. Um, but that is the message, you know, this old message that so many doctors um, don't understand dementia, and, but they don't want to have to admit it. It's okay, admit it. Work with me and let's learn together on what we can do to make me have my best life. Yeah. And that's what I always say to my doctors. I'm not going for quantity of life. I'm going for quality of life. Yeah. Help me achieve that. Yeah, and and I think more and more are, are getting open to listening. And realizing, boy, the messaging on this really has, you know, hasn't been very positive. And, you know, probably because some of them are starting to be affected in their own family and circle of friends and seeing the lack of resources. Yeah. And there is, you know, why hasn't occupational therapy ever been part of dementia? Yep. Why not? We still have a lot we're capable of doing. Exactly. You know, there, there is a lot there that, um, and, and educating people is the only way we're going to get there. And, and the only way we can educate people is by being open and, and vulnerable. Yeah. I want you to talk a little bit about humor and I'm just going to read a little bit that was in your book. It said, yesterday was a comedy of errors. Mess things up at the gas station. The guy had to come out and help me reset it all. He was so kind. At the bank, um, I couldn't remember my password. By the time I got done, you know, grocery shopping, it was one o'clock and I was exhausted. You know, thank God I've got a sense of humor about this. 
how has humor played in your life with with all these changes? It's the best part. You know, <laughs> I used to be so serious in life. I used to take everything so serious. My job, my home life, everything in my life, I was very serious about. And now that part is gone, which I'm grateful for because now I laugh a lot. Yesterday, for example, I started out with certain things that had to be accomplished. It totally went sideways, but I had more laughter through the day. I ended up with, you know, three ladies here having an impromptu lunch because I forgot different meanings that I had set up with them. <laughs> you know, uh, so it just went, the whole day went like that. It was like, oh, well, well, I'll just do this instead of, oh, we'll just do that. And they're just laughing with me because what else are they going to do? And they just went with the flow. And then I've got them in my car, dragging them around with me because I forgot these other things. And, you know, it's like, oh, well, yeah. it's just, it's just part of the day. You know, it's just part of the day. And I just, I improvise a lot. And I tell people, you know, if I'm not where I'm supposed to be, for heaven's sakes, message me because who knows where my brain has taken me and which direction I'm going, right? And and and, uh, and to get me back on course, send me that reminder, right? Yeah. Are you on your way? Are you running late? And then I'll go, oh, I'm supposed to be somewhere else, <laughs> right? <laughs> it, it's having the ability to, to go, all those things are okay. They're not, it's not going to hurt anybody if I missed a bunch of appointments and pulled them all together and threw some crackers and cheese on the table and called it lunch. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> right? Like, these ladies ended up having a great visit because they hadn't seen each other for a long, long time. So it turned out to be a beautiful thing. Um, so my comedy of errors sometimes provides great benefits to others. But if I was beating myself up about it, Oh, I was supposed to do this and I didn't. And and at the beginning, I was really hard on myself about not getting things right. Uh, and then I learned it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You can always do it. Yep. Joy matters in our life. Joy matters. Well, and I, I found, you know, my mom had dementia for 30 years, but one of the things that I found is some of the strangest detours that happened on her journey were like so joyful or, or so enlightening things I never would have thought of. I learned and, you know, just being able to roll with the punches. It, it gave me a spontaneity back that I had lost as an adult. Cause like you, I got very serious and, you know, everything's got to be done in a certain time frame. And you really learn, no, no, it doesn't. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. Yeah, it yeah. really doesn't, right? And there's I had, different ways to do the same thing. Yeah. Tuesday, I had two different things booked with two different people. So the first one that showed up got me. The other one I had to go, whoops, have to make it another day. <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh, well, because I 
get my days mixed up and I get my times mixed up and it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. You also write in the book about life goes on, making tough decisions with dementia can be really hard. And um, Kara with integrated uh, care coordinator with the interior health made you realize that you're struggling to make a decision because of not trusting your own brain in your abilities any longer. And that it was important for you to continue to make decisions, but that that was really, you know, kind of a, like a, a boot just stomping down, um, slowing you down and making you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So, and, and that's important because we, we do question our abilities and we do distrust ourselves to, to a point. I have also learned to just trust in myself. And if I make a mistake, it's okay. We can fix mistakes, right? We can fix mistakes. Mm -hmm. I have also been really proactive and I'm a big believer in this to help eliminate some of that stress um, and worry about those kinds of things and to make it easier so I don't have to think about it a lot. I've got a lot of things in place, like my bank has it set up so I don't have to have a password. They have a note on my file when my name pops up that I have dementia. Don't ask me for a passcode. They look at my driver's license and they do it very discreetly so they can ensure that, you know, every, this, all the safety stuff, but in a way that is good for me. So like we used to, to do it. <laughs> yeah, we used to do it. So I had to sit down with the bank manager and get those things in place, right? And, and she had to work with her staff so that they would understand. Um, uh, I, you know, had to, I went and got all my healthcare directives and all of those kinds of things done, buttoned down, taken care of. Now I don't have to worry because you worry about, are they going to say I'm not competent to make that decision? Are they going to say that I don't really know what I want? And so early on, if you do all of those things, it takes that stress away of whether you're capable or not. Mm -hmm. Right? All done. Put it away. It's okay. One other thing I liked you talked about, because I don't think people understand this, but you said, I'm realizing to manage one eight-hour, you know, a day of paid work takes you about three days to recover. Yes. And, and there's, that, there's that stigma of, well, she looks just fine. There's nothing wrong. And that you're processing just the same as everybody else out there. And so if you can talk about that a little bit more, because I think that's a huge missing link that people don't understand. It is a big missing link. And, and I, I just said this actually recently because during COVID, when all the research groups and all the different organizations all of a sudden started using Zoom, which we've always used, um, they found it, oh, this is great. We can run more webinars. We can have you as a panelist. We can, we can have more meetings. We can. And I finally said to them, you guys are wearing us out. 
We used to have to answer a few emails in a, during a week. We'd have the, the odd thing to, a, to attend to. And we'd get together once or twice a year, whatever that looked like. And now it's like every week you want us on a meeting and you want us on a webinar and you want us, you're wearing us out. Our brains can't function that way anymore. It's draining our, it's draining our cognitive reserve. And that takes that two or three days to recharge. So for me, I sit and work with alongside four or five different um, research groups. Um, so if they're all wanting two or three days out of me in a week, there's not enough time. I can't do it. So I have to start dropping certain ones, right? Sorry, you don't get me this week. You don't get me this week. And I make no bones about it. I tell them if it's something that's important, send me a link and I'll watch it when I'm able to and I'll get back to you with my feedback. Well, I think that's wonderful that you draw on the line because I have seen many people with dementia get burnt out and then they have to step back altogether because it, uh, it, it feels good to be needed, you yeah. know, and people get excited, but then it, it does, it can get abusive almost. Well, you know, it's, we all need hope. We all need purpose. So, and it's important that we work with these research groups and organizations um, so we can, so that they have a good understanding of who the people is that they're actually trying to help and put things into place for. So, but at the same time, we have to be able to do it in a manner that is healthy for us. And you're right. So often, because it feels so good to feel valued and to feel like you have a purpose it can become too much and you're right. You burn out. So you have to be strong enough again to, and brave enough to say, Oh no. You know, like they all looked at me when I said to them, you're wearing us out. And they're all of a sudden going, Oh, you know, they didn't realize. And if I hadn't been brave enough to say it, it would have continued and I would have burnt out. So you have to be, you have to recognize it and other people need to understand it, you know? And, and I often say to people, in fact, I had company last night for dinner, which I totally forgot they were coming. So after my crazy day of missteps, I got finished at three 30 in the afternoon. I had my company arrive at four. I wasn't prepared for the dinner of course, because I forgot. So I quickly threw together a salad and some stuff. And by six o'clock, they were going out the door because I was done. And I just said, I'm sorry that we can't have a longer visit. We'll do it another time. The day has overtaken me, so I have to cut it short. See, and I, I think that that is wonderful because that is educating people in the process. The other thing I just want to mention with um, sometimes organizations, I don't, I don't know if I should say taking advantage, but that's how it feels like to me when I, when I see 
them, oh, well, you can be in charge of this project and you can do this and you can do that. And, you know, it's like free volunteers type deal. Um, what I think they really have to understand too is not only do sometimes people get burnt out, but sometimes they actually have a cognitive loss because of it and they, and they don't bounce back. And you really have to protect that. And that's, that's walking that line. And that's where you have to really, anybody with, with dementia, I call people with dementia, absolute warriors, because you have to be able to go. Nope. You have to be brave enough to say, sorry, just can't do it. I just can't do it because you pay the ultimate price. You know, I have put myself in a position at different times and, um, you know, where I have been in a decline and I have struggled. I've actually ended up in the hospital a couple of times. So I've been through all of those things where I have had to learn. And now I make no bones about, my my girlfriend always says to people, well, she has no filters, just warning you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I just, I just say it. Yeah. I just say it. Can't do it. Not apologizing. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. you have to take care of that cognitive ability. Cause you're right. When we, when the ladder goes down, it doesn't come back up. Yeah. You know? Like I know, even for me, I lost from where I was six or eight months ago. I have had a step down. So I struggle more now with certain aspects than I was six months ago. Um, So I've had to readapt. And I compensate for those to the point that I can compensate comfortably. And beyond that, I don't do things and I don't apologize for not doing them. Good. Good for you. Um, now, I know the book is is recently launched, and again, for those listening, if you're just coming in towards the tail end, it's called For This I'm Grateful. What kind of feedback have you gotten from people so far? Because I, I just thought it was beautifully written and so, so much in there for people to, to learn. I've had some some wonderful people reach out to me and, and I'm sorry, I don't know where they live because of course I don't know all these people. One in particular that really stuck out with me was a, a woman who said she'd followed my blog, but had never commented on it. Um, and that um, she started reading my blog to help her 46 year old daughter who had been diagnosed. And that in her letter to me, she said, um, your blog helped, me be able to get my daughter to start journaling and now I'm going to share your book with her because I know it will help her be able to share with us even more and know that it's okay so and she thanked me for being so vulnerable to be able to to put that out there for people so those kinds of things make me feel like my goal writing my book was not about me it was about the bigger picture and it it's not about fame and glory you know if I wanted to do that I'd write a a steamy romance of some kind (laughs) so uh, you know hearing things like that from people 
and a lady the other day reached out to me and said that she had just finished my book and and she was so grateful that I had written it and and it really helped her understand she had lost someone three and a half years ago to dementia and she really it really helped her understand them better even though they're gone and she just wished she would have had it three and a half years ago um so those kinds of things I mean every time I get something like that I cry like I sit down and I cry it's like okay this is why it's okay to be vulnerable yeah right so yeah uh, and and I've had academics who have told me that they need the book out there for doctors and nurses and anybody in healthcare and and all the scientists and researchers and and people running the organizations out there that think they have all the answers for us they need to have that inner look. Yep. Yeah. Right. Well, your title is perfect for this. I am grateful. Uh, again, Thank published you. by Austin McCauley. And you can uh, go to Austin McCauley's website or Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And, of course, we encourage you to uh, get the book. And don't forget to leave a review. You can also leave a review at Goodreads as well. And then if you want to get a hold of Christine, you can find her on Facebook under Chrissy's uh, Journey. And then is there an email that you wanted to give them? My personal email that they can use is my last name, which is Telker, T-H-E-L-K-E-R, at Shaw, S-H-A-W, dot C-A. Well, in wrapping up again, Christine, this has just been a fun conversation. I could talk to you all day long. I just, I adore you and I appreciate everything that you're doing to shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. So thank you so much. Thank you. I always enjoy our conversations and I truly, truly hope that once this pandemic is over, I get a chance to come down and meet you. <laughs> that, would be, that would be wonderful. That would be Yeah, wonderful. thanks so much. Okay. Well, you take care. And for our listeners, you know, please like, click and share this. I, I think we had a really valuable conversation today and more people need to hear about Christine's work and her book. And, um, you know, just sit back and relax and listen to the conversation. You probably want to go back and, and hear it more than once. As for myself, you can always find me at alzheimerspeaks.com um, and look at all of our projects and initiatives. Be blessed. Stay safe. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Wayshowers who will help your journey a lot easier.